Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 61, Seth Mosley. Hey, I just want to remind you, in case you forgot, the five-day Songwriting for Guitar boot camp starts this week. I'm going to be going live five days in a row, giving you helpful hints, things that you can actually start applying to your songwriting right now. And here's the, an even cooler thing, before the live session, I'm going live for another hour before. I'm going to be answering questions on the fly. So regardless if it's songwriting, guitar, production, licensing, whatever you want to dig in, if you're feeling like you're brand new to the process and you got questions, maybe you've been doing this for a while and things just are so confusing or they're not working out the way you wanted. You got to be there. And I've got cool special guests that will be popping in as well. This is going to be two hours of live content, five days in a row you're going to be getting. Replays available. So believe Believe me, this is well worth signing up. So go to songwritingforguitar.com right now and jump in because you don't want to miss this. Now, Seth is a Grammy Dove Award-winning songwriter. He's had number ones on the Billboard chart. He has been CSAC Songwriter of the Year. And here's the thing. It's all amazing and impressive, but you know what's even cooler? The story of how he got there. And that's what we're going to get into because there are moments when songwriters have to pivot. They have to make crucial decisions. And sometimes that's not always easy, but Seth frames it so well. And I think regardless if you're a seasoned songwriter, if you're someone new to this craft, this is something that you'll want to listen to. Maybe even take a few notes because I know as I was talking to him, I was like, let me just jot that down. So we are going to jump into it. Episode number 61, Seth Mosley. Seth, thanks for being here, taking the time out of your day to do this, especially on a Monday. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Mondays, this was a good good way to break up the day. So Excellent. You know, it's funny, just as before we hit record, I was like, you know, it's crazy because you've got you've got Grammys, you got Doves. What well, you were a CSAC, you know, songwriter of the year. You've got Billboard number ones. But I don't think if you went down the street and you said, Hey, quickly, do you know who I am? They'd be like, Oh, but you have all this amazing work. And that is so cool. And I, I'd just be curious, you know, because I think people th sometimes think you need to have a huge name to make it in music. You know, I'm going to make it to the top. But here you are doing the thing you love, doing it well, creating a company, creating even courses to help songwriters. How did this start? Like, you know, when, where was that core where you were like, I think I want to do this and pursue this? It's a great question. And you're right. I, I know most people would not know who Seth Mosley is. And I, I am perfectly okay with that. I always say like, I used to do the band thing and we had a record deal and had some radio success. So we started to see a little bit of the, I started to feel a little bit of what that was to like be in front of people and have somebody recognize you or whatever, but on a, on a super small scale, I was like, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> and my, I, I got married. My wife does not like people noticing her at all. So it's like, it just works better for us to be completely an anonymous. But yeah, no, I got into music like like most people. You know, you, you start out thinking you're going to be the artist and you're going to be the one songs and writing the songs. I started writing in my parents' basement. I had a, a, a studio. Um, well, studio was, was a loose term. I had some equipment that I had bought and just started learning to record myself. Started playing out in coffee shops when I was in high school. Eventually, my friends' bands started coming over and recording with me in high school. So I had a little, um, you know, home recording studio operation that I would 
you know, record their bands and basically learn how to produce and essentially was kind of helping them with arrangements and songwriting too. I just didn't really know what it was, was at the time. They just needed good sounding recordings. And I lived in a small town where there just wasn't really access to that. So I kind of just had to figure it out. This is pre YouTube. I sort of just like, I, I had, there was a moment when one of my friend's bands, um, I had done like a five song EP for them. And then they went down the road and recorded one single with this guy who was like a quote, big name producer in Southern Ohio. And they, they brought it back and I was like, okay, like this sounds different than my stuff, but I see what he's doing. Like I didn't like by listening to that recording, I was like, Oh, so you can edit the drums. Like I didn't know you could do that. Like as far as like quantizing performances. And I was like, Oh yeah. Cause at the time the drummer definitely could not play to a click. And I was like, it, it, <laughs> back exactly on the grid and i was like okay so i would just pick up those things just by listening to projects and i eventually started my own band went on the road for four years signed a record deal signed a publishing deal learned really quickly that that doesn't really mean anything publishing deal record deal doesn't doesn't guarantee you any amount of success you, Still, your band was me in motion right that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, like you know just yeah, I, I'd hate to just kind of cut in, but like when you started the idea of like even like recording bands, it's funny how it's like, you know, it's like, oh, recording, but it's like, you're already like, I'm a small business. You don't realize you're a small business, but it's like, you're a small business. And you looked at competition instead of being like, oh, that guy sucks and saying like a blanket statement, big name, but it's like, okay, what can I learn from it? And what can my ear take away from this? For sure. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And most yeah. times, most times today, I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. It's just a lot of guessing and what i think sounds cool i don't know any music theory like my lowest lowest grade i got in high school was in my music theory class like out of any class <laughs> it, my brain just doesn't interact with music in that way it's just you just have to hear it and feel it at least for me so yeah i know that that wasn't really answering your question no, but, but just, that, that even that statement right there that you said like because people go like well i need to know all of this important stuff and like you know i need to know all of okay so these are modes these are all my scales these are all my and it's like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. let's i think the core that you said right there which i probably talk about more than anything is like let's just listen to something really quick and not just like a pass but like let's really listen and analyze like what are the drums doing what is the bass doing? What is the melody doing? Do we find a repetition? And can we listen to another song and try to find things that are doing some similar things and look for patterns? I think that's probably more helpful and the best piece of advice for someone starting out than like go to Berklee School of Music. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm really big on like, if you want to get into music, don't go to school for music. The only thing that will allow you to do is get a teaching job it's going to the debt, the debt side of it. Like if you're able to go through and get it like a, get your college paid for somehow, I mean, that's great. But in most cases you're going to leave college with a mountain of debt and music is not something you get into to make a lot of money. It's, it, it has to be something you get into because you couldn't do anything else. Yeah. You couldn't see yourself doing anything else. And that's always what it was for me. It was like, I just had no plan B. It was just music. Like that was it. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Like at first, I thought it was going to be the artist thing and pursued that. But as you, you well know, music doesn't always like the journey of music is, is very circuitous. It's, it's over the river and through the woods and you, you just, you, you walk through one door and it turns into something else that you would have never imagined. And, and before you know it, you have this amazing career that looks nothing like you thought it was going to. That's what's interesting too, because you set out to be like, I'm going to be the artist, but then it started to transform into something different and i think some people think 
oh no, that's a bad thing. It's like, no, 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 no. That's exactly what it's going to look like. The thing you may set out to do will probably change. And that's okay because that's how it organically takes shape. And either you fight against the current or you totally embrace it and dive in full on and be like, cool, well, let's figure this new thing out. You know, it, some people can be stubborn to a fault of like having this one vision of who they are. Yeah. And the world doesn't accept them in that way. Then they just get bitter and resentful rather than seeing it as feedback as like, okay, well, maybe I, maybe the lane I'm in is not the right lane for me to be in. For me as an artist, that was definitely the case. Like I even had at one point I had a band, um, a couple of guys that it was pretty much just me, but I had a couple other guys that were hired. I mean, they were, they were full time with me and they worked, worked their tails off, but it was always kind of my thing. It was never, I never really set it up like on purpose that way. It just sort of evolved that way. But I had a drummer that always sort of fancied himself as a songwriter and I tried, like I tried on a few occasions and I would listen to his stuff and I'm like, man, this is cool for your stuff. Like what you do artistically is, is, you know, I, I, I'd be a fan of it. I just can't see myself singing this. Like mm -hmm. it's not, not really my vibe, but just it's not good or bad. It's just, but he always fancied himself as a songwriter and he was an amazing drummer. Like he literally could be one of the top Nashville session guys today had he kind of stuck down it down that road. Like he was that good even back then without having any experience in it. But it just became a thing where he had this idea in his head of like, I'm a songwriter, I'm a songwriter. But sometimes if the world is telling you, hey, you're not a songwriter, you're a really good drummer, you kind of need to listen to the world or listen to God as, as I like to, to look at it as. But it's kind of true when you got, a, you know, maybe if you get different opinions from 20 different people, it's like, ah, who knows? But if the same people are telling you the exact same thing over and over, it's like, uh-oh, well, maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's the thing I should start to pay attention to more. But it's interesting that you mentioned that he could have been, but then it's almost a point where it's like, are you going to be like super stubborn and be like, no, and then cool just where you are? Or are you willing to adapt to that change almost and be like, well, let's see where this goes. For sure. And so much of it is just, I'm very pragmatic and I'm a very practical person. And you kind of use the opportunities that are in front of you. And I believe God puts opportunities in front of us for a reason. And if we're not, it, like, it's just our job to be observant and see what things come naturally, what things come with very little effort. Mm -hmm. Those are usually the ones that you, you're meant to be doing, like the things where it doesn't feel like work. Then when did you start to pivot? Because when you mentioned touring, even touring, I can remember, you just mentioned Ohio, I just can think of tons of places that we used to play that were like small clubs, basement churches, e like either it was a youth group, I don't know, where was it? It was like a weird place in Ohio, Tip City. I remember Tip City, it was like, and, but like, you don't see you're sleeping sometimes in a van, you buy a Walmart parking lot, you're taking a half shower in a Walmart parking lot, you kind of get a motel, maybe, but it's like then cramming like four dudes to share like two beds and be like, all right, this is it. At what point did you go like, okay, I think maybe I needed to give songwriting, not just for me, but for others. You had already started, and you know, songwriting and production for, you know, early on is a form almost, because you're getting into arrangement, you're thinking about that recording. Did it just like continue even while you were in a band and then it just started to transform even more and more? Yeah, I always did it on the side. I never made any money from the band. I always lost money. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, at the end of the day, I would always make a point to pay the guys whether I got paid or not because that was just the deal. 
and definitely left that band with a lot of debt. I didn't go to college, so I look at that as like my student loans. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, fortunately, I was able to keep producing like indie projects on the side. I would just be working on them in green rooms and stuff and like in between. It was like seven days a week, basically. And eventually I got an opportunity to work on a label record. And that was the one that kind of like put me on the map as a songwriter producer. And then I started to like see income coming in from that. That was like very real income. It's like, okay, so just the, my pragmatic self, like I'm out here grinding it on the road. I'm exerting all this effort. We're sleeping in those motels, like you said, driving ourselves many times, setting up our own production and stuff. And I'm losing money. Like something's wrong with this equation. Like, max effort losing money it's not that money is always the 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 score the true answer for how, why you should make decisions but for me it had got to a point where it was just ridiculous like i was doing something that i was enjoying like i loved the, I, i've always loved the songwriting and the production and the creative side of things everything else the marketing it the touring the all everything else that goes with being an artist that's the part that i don't like and so why was i trying to keep pushing water uphill it was when i sort of dropped that and, and really what it what what it took was our van blew up in iowa like it was like the last straw we were broke broke down in a snowstorm it was in the middle of the state of iowa and i was just like screw this we're i'm going home and this is it <laughs> and so we left the van there left the trailer there i never went back and got it again and i just sort of knew like this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So that was like the greatest decision ever. Cause you can really only focus on like one thing and do that very well at any given point. And at that time I was trying to do both and doing, doing neither of them as well as I could. I can attest to all van issues and like moments where it's just like, either there's no air conditioning in the van, it breaks down, you have to get a new one. But just what you said, do you think like too you did the band route at first because or at least for me i thought that was the only option for music like it was like oh i didn't you know nobody came to me and it was like there's this thing called licensing and there's this thing that you could do it was more or less like oh band that's probably all i can do to make it in music but then as you start to entertain other ideas or start to go towards other ideas then the thing you were like, I don't want to do that because I'm kind of the same. I don't really like tour. Like after a while, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like sleeping on floors. I don't like trying to like cram everybody into a room. I don't like having to use the same shirt again after three nights wearing it because it's like it kind of smells. But I do like the idea of arranging something and pursuing like a new idea. And then somebody else takes a song and goes with it or it finds another home. So, well, you, know, you just don't know that stuff until you get into it. And for me, that was really eye-opening that like, wow, you can make a career writing songs that other artists record. Yeah, it's just, you would just never know. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about sync licensing. I didn't know that was a thing until probably three or four years into after I had already been signed and, you know, had a publishing deal. Yeah. So there's a lot more ways to make an income in music probably than ever before it's in some ways it's harder to break through than ever before but it, at the same time there's a lot more opportunity and it just see i think it's something you said focusing and i think that's the thing at first because people are like well i want to do it all well you probably can't so which one do you really enjoy like if you had to not get paid for it for like six years would you be okay with that 
And would you still get better at it and invest your time? Because, yeah, money is important, but probably the time is the most. That's like the, you know, at least for me now, I'm like, oh, my most valuable thing is like time. Like if I'm going to give myself time for something, it better be worth it. And if you're okay with that, then cool. Absolutely run with it. Go for it because you'll probably do well because you're willing to commit to it. If you say like, I want the rewards of it, but I really don't want to give my time for it. Then it's like, then you can just stop right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nothing, nothing is going to happen quickly. It just, it just isn't that like when a lot of people think that it happened really fast for me, but they didn't realize that like when I moved to Nashville, I had my, like I had my first number one when I, in like 2009 and I was probably 21 or something like that or 22 at the time. Yeah. And, but, but they also don't, don't see that, Hey, I actually started doing this really young. Like I started in my parents' basement, like full on 10,000 hours, like when I was 15. Yeah. Most people, like that's still seven years in between. Yeah. There, Most there's a whole lot of work that people don't see because they only see when it's good, but it's yeah. like, if you looked behind the curtain, you would see like all the mistakes, all the things that are like, oh shit, that was not, no, nah, I didn't mean to do that wrong. But that's what got you to the point where, oh, now it seems really good. Yeah. Cause I learned from everything else behind me. For sure. And, and you just have to have that season of just grinding. I just, there's no, there, there's no shortcut for that. Like no matter what you want to get into. And that's where even like how we talk to our song chasers community, like I tell a lot of them, Hey, for, for many of you, this thing needs to stay a hobby. Like this yeah. doesn't need to be a career. It doesn't mean you will get any less joy out of it if you don't get a number one song, but as long as you can be feeling like you're doing what you want to do and you're growing and you're getting better and your song has an impact somewhere. And that's really all that matters. The moment that you choose to do something as a career, something like songwriting, everything changes. The pressure is on, you end up doing a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. Yeah. And that's just part of it. Like, and that's it. I'm saying that as in, I'm thankful to be doing it. Like, but not every project I've ever worked on is like my proudest moment, right? You just, some of them are jobs. And that's interesting because people think like, oh, when you're in the studio, it's just like, yeah, it's a party. And like everybody hits record and they're like, yeah, that's an idea. Or it's just like, I think John Mulaney described writing a song with Mick Jagger for Saturday Night Live. And Mick Jagger was like, no, yes. And John was like, is this how you write songs? It's like, it's completely different. There's sometimes where it is a grinder, just like, wow, this is going nowhere. And it feels like I'm pulling teeth. Yeah. I love that you referenced that skit, by the way. I, I, we, me and my daughters use that all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the, thing, the, the thing is like, not funny. funny yes. <laughs> In our house all the time. Because yes. I think it's a real thing. There's this mystic that people think it's a party, but it's like, no, it's like when you go to work and you go to a job and you focus and you talk, that's what songwriting is. You sit in, you say your pleasantries, you go, hey, what's up? Cool, let's get to work. Because this is no longer like a precious baby. This is like, this is a product that's going to lead us to maybe a cut. This is going to lead to something that's more licensing based. It has something, it needs to get done. There's a timeline do the work and it needs to be good. <laughs> yeah. It's work. It's work. I mean, you know, and the, the longer you get, you do it and the more successful you get, like, I, I'm thankful for all the successes I've had. Cause I can, I can say no to stuff now. Yeah. The point is, is that you can't have that attitude going in. 
even after you have your first hit, like you got, you, you've got to look at it as, okay, I need to, the only thing I need to be thinking about is what's my next one going to be. And I mean, I still think that way. Like, yeah, I, I, I end up doing some things that I don't want to do, but I at least have the freedom now to be able to like, I have a fairly simple filter in my life and it's basically a no assholes policy. <laughs> I just don't work with anybody who I don't want to work with. And sometimes you got to try it to find that out. Right. But yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great policy in general for life because I, I think that makes sense because you know, sometimes when people do it right, they're thinking of it as a one and done deal. Like, it's just like, oh, we got the right and that's awesome. But it's like, no, no, no. The first right is actually just seeing too, like, is this going to be a good partnership or is this just like, this is the worst deal ever? Like, we have to leave. Yeah, and I only know what happened the first right. If I get a second right back, then that's the win. But that makes total sense. So many people think, well, no, no, no. The first right is getting a good song. It's like, no, no, it's a relationship. It's like, are you going to build on it? Is it going to be awesome? Are they going to be like, ah, writing with them was the best thing ever? Or are they going to be like, as you said, man, that guy's an asshole. Like, it's just like, is that the first thing that's going to come up? Because that would suck because it doesn't matter how good you are. Like, oh, I'm a great melody person. Yeah, but you suck. Like, you yeah. really suck. <laughs> Yeah, you can't be, you just, you know, I mean, some people can get away with that maybe, but I just think life's too short, at least for me personally. It does, I don't really care who your credits are or what you've done. Like, if you're not a good hang in the room and you're, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. I mean, even Phil Spector, eventually it ran out and, you know, with all the wigs that he was wearing at the trial, it, nobody really cared. It was just like, uh-uh, no. no. And no. so as you made that pivot, you know, you started to get singles and yeah, probably once you get like a hit, there has to be even more pressure to be like, people are like, I want that hit. And it's like, yeah, but then there has to be something else afterwards. It can't just be one, but like, how do you work with that pressure of continuing to, how did you deal with that? Like feeling that pressure, but just continuing to grow without always being like, oh, wow, this is a lot. I need to leave. I mean, I think it's hard. Like there's no easy way around it. I mean, there, there's days that you feel like you suck and you, you want to quit. I mean, there, I've had plenty of those, but I don't know. I think it just comes down to like gratitude and being thankful that I get to do this in the first place. And like every day that I can pay my bills doing this, I'm just, I try to keep, I try to, I don't often uh, live up to this aspiration but i try i aspire to to be a person who's grateful more than anything just walking in and like i think if if i can have that attitude going in and i'm like this is a and regardless of what comes out of it i'm, I'm here to serve whoever's in front of me we're gonna write the best song we can and the, the rest is literally out of my hands i think there's there's an element of it where you you, you have to be extremely invested but you also have to be very disconnected to, to what happens too just because we have so little control over it you kind of just have to write as many songs as you can and you know maybe five percent of them will end up doing anything and you have to be okay with that Ooh, because i think that's the part that people are like but i'm not okay with that well don't worry just you have to because as you said a lot's out of your control but what's in your control is purely just your reactions and just how you're dealing with people like i love i geek out over like brendan bichard and like his like 
growth day app and it's always like morning mindset and it's like it's basically like a gratitude thing where it's like can you find at least three things at the beginning and end of your day they were like that actually went well and some days it does feel like you have to dig deep <laughs> where it's just like uh, i'm thankful that i remember grateful i remember to write down three things it could be one of that but well it's not even we went through a book study in our um, song chasers community about a book called the gap and the gain i don't know if you oh, I love that yeah dan sullivan love yeah it's book. concept of like man if you can't find anything you're grateful for that day come up with something that went horribly wrong and what <laughs> gain came from that like learn to reframe your losses into wins i love that book and who not how i probably read who not how like 20 times because it's yeah. like there's so good. many good there's so many good points to that now eventually it was you like you as a business but then eventually you started to build your company full circle music then how does that when do you realize too and i think this is where some songwriters struggle because building a team to support because I feel like that's what you eventually built in a whole networks and structure. Yeah. Not everybody is meant to do that. Yeah. Like, just hear me say that. I've, I've had a lot of, a lot of friends who have gone into the business side and I'm like, you're going to hate this and you're going to probably quit in three years. Cause you're not going to like hiring and firing and HR and all of that. And I don't like that either. Yeah. I think I, I have this entrepreneurial side of me that just, I just have to have, something going on that I'm building that I have some control. It's probably a control thing, honestly, just a way to feel more in control of my destiny, even though, you know, none of us really are, but I just, I love the feeling of building things and connecting people and bringing different people together. And it's been hard. Like that's honestly been a whole new discipline to learn. Like just because you know how to write a good song does not mean you'll know how to run a good publishing company. Yeah. It's, it's, it's two very opposite skill sets. So I started a label. I started a publishing company. I had really good partners with that and all the setup to win and it didn't do what I, what I wanted it to. So I was, uh, you have to be okay with sacrificing your, your things on the altar sometimes. And so that's what we had to do with our, our publishing and our label and things feel so much better now. I mean, it's, it's, it's that focus thing. Really the only thing business wise I'm focused on right now is the Academy. Yeah. Academy. Aside from that, I'm just having fun in the creative process, just writing more than I've ever written before, producing more records than I've ever produced before. So it's really just kind of having that one sole focus. That's even a testament to like, you know, just your songwriting career and everything now to be like, okay, if things don't necessarily work the way that you plan, but what changes can you make? Because sometimes people lie to themselves and they go like, no, 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 it's great. It's great. It's like kitchen nightmares, which I'm guilty of watching a million times. Like when they meet the, you know, Gordon's like, well, what's the food? Rate it. And they're like, it's an eight. And it's like, if Gordon's here already and they set up cameras, that's already a bad thing. So don't start off so high so you're fooling yourself. And it's like, it's like, at what point are they lying? And then Gordon comes in that they realize, oh, Maybe it's not what I think it is, or maybe some things need to change. The sooner yeah. they embrace that change, things get better. And it's like in our own life, songwriting wise, career wise, choice wise, the areas we want to go, if we embrace that, it's amazing how, I don't know, just how you said at the end, it feels good. Like I feel better. Like it's like, cause I, you probably, that is a weight when things aren't going to plan and you're still carrying that and trying to be like, well, it'll still work out. I guess it's both and because as a songwriter, you really have to have the mentality of I'm going to stick around as long as it takes. Yeah. But there also is a time to, to know when God is telling you or, you know, the universe is telling you 
hey, it might be time to sacrifice something and do something else. So I think it's really individual. You kind of just have to work that out within yourself. And, you know, I'm big on having advisors. Like I have a business coach I've worked with for years now. I've just invested a lot of money in that side of things just because it's, it's worth it and it helps sharpen my thinking. I agree. It's like I have one for music. I have one for business because your brain doesn't get shut up. At least mine doesn't where it's just like, it's always something. And I'm like, oh, but if I'm just holding on to that, like, I'm just going to stay up at night, just thinking the same things. I can journal as much as I want to. I'm still going to come up with other things, but to have someone that's a little further down the road from me, the further step, a couple steps down that can be like, oh, move this over here, move this over here. That doesn't matter. You have to get rid of that. I yeah. can do that for other people and let them know when they hire me. But hearing it sometimes from fun, I'm like, but I don't want to get rid of it. I think it's good. No, no, no. You got to get rid of it. And that's why I love coaches and like investing in that because no, there's not very many people in my life who will be honest with me as my business coaches. Like they won't call me out on stuff and, yeah. and you know, friends don't always do that. It's not, it's not, not always the job of, of, of a friend group, but I just think you have, have people in your life that tell you the truth, whether you just naturally have them or whether yeah. you hire them, you have to have them. I think, you know, we have a mutual friend, Michael Elsner. And I remember the first time where he was like, Hey man, you got to stop doing this. And I was like, Oh man, I don't know. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Who's telling you this? Okay. What has he done? He's probably right. And yeah. then changed some things. And then later on, I was like, you're right. And he was like, Hey, see. And so it's funny when that happens to find people that can be honest, but also give you, here's what's working, but here's what needs fixed. I think sometimes people think, well, I got like criticism or somebody says this sucks or you're doing it wrong. That's not constructive or anything you can build on, but someone that looks into your full picture and goes like, oh, this is working, but could be tightened up. This, however, really needs addressed. And here's some things to focus on or maybe ask. That's way more constructive, whether it be business, songwriting, production, any frame. Yeah, I just can't overstate the importance of having having that circle of people that you trust that you can take advice from. And really the big thing too that I see that frustrates me more than anything is like people that do have those people who are speaking into their lives and then they don't do anything with you. <laughs> like that's the most frustrating thing. Like I've had conversations with so many songwriters who are coming up and I'll I'll tell them something and I'll know that like maybe 10% of them are actually going to take what I said and do anything with it. And that's just the reality. Like most people are just scared to take action. It's funny that you mentioned that because like on the music side, like Judy Sakey, who's been like huge in helping me, she was, I was like, how come some people don't do these things? And exactly what she said, she was like, cause I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. And I was Big like, oh, I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, I didn't say it was good or validate what they were thinking. She yeah. was like, but a percentage will go like, hmm, I should probably work on that. Now, I think with all the framework that you've done, both in like, you know, from building your career, I feel like that's what's prepped you to be a seasoned songwriter. I mean, for you, what is like a right like? What is your main, yeah, and everyone can look different and, you know, each session, depending on what it's for. But, you know, do you have kind of like a structure or kind of a framework that you kind of go to that you use? Man, I'm just big on speed. Like I'm big on not overthinking things. I think there's a time to edit, but like when you're in the writing and the creative process, it's just like not over editing yourself. 
Um, I think for me, that's so much of it is I just try to keep the room moving. Like that's because if there's somebody who I can sense is in the room is like a, a thinker and they're an editor and they're a processor, I'll let them have their space to do that. But at the same time, I'll try to keep it moving forward. And be like, hey, you've been stuck on this course for like an hour. Let's work on, I, I'm not afraid to just say, hey, let's start something completely different. Like even if we've worked on something for two hours and I'm like, this is not heading anywhere. I'm, I'm okay with sacrificing everything we just did and, and pivoting. So I just try, I'm just big on trying to keep momentum in the room. I don't know. I mean, all the, all the normal stuff, you know, just use using tracks, like mm-hmm. throwing out a ton of different melodies. I, I'm, I'm a big melody first guy. I mean, Nashville can be very like lyric, lyric centric, which is, yeah. which is great. That's why a lot of people are coming here uh, because they want s- songs that have, have meat and content and meaning to them. And so, you know, while that's important, I still, I still am a firm believer that everything kind of has to bow to the melody. I feel the same way because it's like, you could say the most important thing, but if it's not in a way that I can remember, I probably won't remember it. But you could say, I mean, here we are several years later and somebody can say, under my umbrella, Ella, Ella. And I'm just like, oh, it's stuck in my head. Yeah. I've written so many songs that have the most brilliant lyrics with amazing lyric writers that have never done anything. And then I've written other songs that are so crazy simple and they're just hooky and catchy. And more often than not, the simple ones are the ones that end up resonating, but it takes work to get there. It's a lot, it's a lot like experimenting trial and error, moving syllables around, experimenting with phrasing, experimenting with rhythm and meter, stretching notes out, try and playing with where does stuff fall in relation to the downbeat. Like it's a lot of that just math stuff that I think that, that, that I think about in the writing process and it just goes such a long way. But I think too, that how you said, don't overthink it. I think that's where people get caught in their own heads. Like, you know, someone doesn't say even the beginning of a phrase cause they're worried it's not perfected yet. So let me just be quiet and just hold on to it. It's like, no, the whole idea of co-writing is you say whatever comes in your head, which is going to spark something from me because the whole point is you don't have to finish the idea. You say half of it. And I'm yeah. finish the other half. Or sometimes I've said the wrong thing and they go, oh, that's perfect. And then they say that. And I was like, I didn't say that at all, but that's way better. But you just misheard me. And that's in just getting it out, get the structure out, and then we can look at it and be like, okay, now let's go in and maybe like tweak it, but not, I don't know, if we're overthinking and spending like an hour on a verse when it's like, we don't even have a chorus, it's like, let's not do that. <laughs> Yeah, always, always, always start with a chorus. If you can get the, if you can get the hook down, then work backwards from there. That's 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 one hundred percent, almost one hundred percent of the time. Now, would you say too with production? You know, with your background, when you started out very early on, just recording friends, did, did was that a natural flow too with your writing, where it was just like they weren't separated, but it was just like oh, it's just kind of one and the same for me. It's always been one and the same. I, I didn't really know what it was called back then. It was just recording and helping and producing and writing but it but that's what it was it was producing and writing you know it's just speaking into different aspects of the songwriting i mean it, at that time i wasn't as involved on the lyric side it was kind of like the singer would go off in the some back room and write write a part of it but then i would help him tweak it and tweak the melodies and phrasing and stuff so yeah i mean that it's it was really the same process and just trying to trying to help everybody have a good time and like make it not feel too much like work 
I think that's so much of it. When you can hear when records are overthought, uh, you know, you got your Mutt Lang extremes of like spending 10 days on one kick drum sound for one song. But I just don't know that somebody like him, if he were coming out today, like would he thrive in today's songwriting environment? Probably not. Like nobody has the patience for that. It's kind of like, I, I think I mentioned, but like Phil Spector, I think it was like rock and roll high school. It was the first chord that he made him play that intro again and again. And again, we're finally, you know, I was like, no, I'm out of here. What are you going to do, Phil? Shoot me. And just like, just like walked out, out of anger. Cause that probably wouldn't fly today either. It's no, what? something to be said about like the mood and the atmosphere, especially if you're like producing it. It's like you're controlling the environment. And if you see things like taking a turn, like, uh oh, they're getting inside their head or they're getting frustrated, let's just go to this part and let's just come back to this later. It's like you have yeah. to pivot. It's almost like you're trying to see the emotional feel of everyone. Well, I'm just trying to take perfectionism out of the room because yeah. perfection gets in the way of good art and good songs it's just you know anytime we start there is no perfect like there's no, i could analyze the biggest hit song from last year and find five things i would do different about it but that doesn't matter i i feel like it's one of those things yeah it's like we can improve on some things but also to what made it a hit song i'm always interested where it's like what was the thing was it the climate the environment was it just like something in the melody take it extrapolate it i guess and then just like there we go that's in the toolbox that's in the well so when i go writing it's going to naturally come up so i feel like do you are you just also a consumer of music besides just a creator but just like constantly listening to things man i don't listen as much as i want to or as much as i should when spotify came out like i you would think it would have gone the opposite way but i think i just got so into the podcast world and into like audiobooks yeah like if I'm driving in the car, I'm way more apt to just listen, like put on a podcast. I don't listen to music that much. It's just like I'll listen to it if like Emma, who I'm working with right now, she'll turn me on to like Yeba is, is an amazing artist. She she just turned me on to, and so I'll I'll like go on these rabbit trails of like listening to Yeba stuff for a while. It is just seasons, right? Like I yeah. but but I, I I don't I don't think I listen probably as much as I should. Uh, what are like the top podcasts you've been listening to? Man, my podcast list is all over the place. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of schizophrenic if you were to look at it. I was into Radio Lab for a while. The American yeah. Pop Podcast with John Hamm is amazing. I just listened to that one. The, the, uh, what's the one with uh, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett and uh, Jason Bateman? Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the which one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just hilarious. Um, I've heard the one with Dana Carvey and uh, David Spade. They're basically just interviewing old Saturday Night Live cast members. I have I, I, on my list to check out. I, I I have moments that I think David Spade is funny, but then like I don't know. I've never I've never really thought he was that funny. Dana Carvey's pretty hilarious, though. Dana Carvey is hilarious. And it's just very interesting, some of the stories and the background stories. Um, still love Song Exploder. That's probably one that I've gone back to a whole bunch. Yeah, Song Exploder. I mean, the Ross Golan one's really good. Yeah. Um, always love that one. For a while, well, I, I mean, Rick Barker's a friend of probably yeah. both of us. He has a great one on the music side of stuff, side of things. 
Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's literally just and my, my, like my pastor from my church has, has a podcast that I listen to. It's, it's just so eclectic. It's, it's all over the place. They're probably looking like, is this like a family plan? Is this everyone? Or is this like, this can't be yeah. one person. <laughs> I don't know how Apple or Spotify would know how to recommend anything to me because it is so all over the place. So confused by the algorithms. It's like, what ads do we send them? I don't know. Frankly. We don't, <laughs> we can't send them anything, but dude, so if, if people are listening to this and they're like, okay, I still want to be a songwriter. I still want to, what's, you know, definitely the piece of advice to start doing that, especially if they're like, I don't know where to start. It all seems overwhelming. Yeah. Write songs. You don't need to go to school for it. You don't need to be qualified for it. You don't have to have music theory training. You don't have just, just write songs and study great writers and pattern. You know, when you're starting out, like it helps to sort of pattern your stuff after great writers even taking like this, a really good exercise that a lot of people could do and they can try it right now is like tr change, write new melodies for, for some of the, your favorite song lyrics. And then do the flip side on, on, on lyrics, write new lyrics to yeah. some of your favorite melodies. It'll just help you learn like, okay, this is what a good melody feels like, or this is what a good lyric feels like. And not being a, we all learned by imitation in the beginning and sometimes like just even doing that 10, 10 times or 20 times, the, then the 21st song you write will be that much better because you have sort of ingested all of this. But co-writing, I mean, co-writing is, is really probably the biggest game changer, at least if you're, if you're trying to do this on a professional level. Co-writing really was the thing that sort of changed the game for me. Um, it helps you to not overthink things. It helps you to create a lot, which is really what you have to do is, is just, it's, it is, it's not a numbers game, but it is a numbers game as, uh, my friend Rusty Gaston likes to say. It, it is where it's just like, yeah, it isn't, but it kind of is. So just keep on going. And it's just like, well, what if the co-write doesn't turn out well? Oh, the first couple may not turn out well. It may be a horrible train wreck. That's okay. Cause that's part of the pro I think it's like, no, it's all part of the process. It's like, it's not going to be great, but keep on going with it because it does get better. Like nothing in the beginning is always the greatest. No. And just because <laughs> you can, you know, I go, I go back to the gap in the gain, like look at, look at where you were 10 years ago. And I bet you're better off than you were back then. You know, like it's as long as you're getting better. And as long as you're pushing forward, that's really all that matters. Dude, this has been awesome. And if somebody's listening, they're like, well, where do I follow more of your stuff? Where can I find out what you offer? Where can they go to? Yes, um, I have a URL. I'm going to make sure I tell you the right URL. Excellent. You can tell how much I don't know what's going on. People can go to joinsongchasers.com. We have a uh, song chase songwriting community that uh, people can meet other co-writers. They can get ongoing training, feedback, song critiques, um, have access to a really cool track building tool that we created. And that's all at joinsongchasers.com. They can get on the wait list for that. We, it's not something we have open all the time just because it, because it is a community. And we want it to be personal enough to where we can actually feel like we're making a difference in, in our members' lives. We, we don't just have it open all the time. So they can get on the wait list for that at joinsongchasers.com. That's awesome. Seth, thanks for taking a bit of your day to talk to us because this was awesome. Man, thanks for having me. And that does it for this week's episode. It was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.